Welcome to Outlander Season 1, Episode 2, Castle Leoch. I'm Don Bitters. And I'm Nick Stone. And this is Gaelic Eyes, an Outlander podcast where we watch Outlander, drink scotch, and let you know terribly uninformed opinions about them. So this is Episode 2 of the first season of the show Outlander, and stakes immediately, like, ramping up from you know time travel now we're at hey guess what they think you're a spy and, and or may murder you yeah spy witch whatever yeah. you know there's a lot of theories Everything in between yeah a spitch uh, spy we'll, witch we'll go with it. it's, it's yeah, a... no, yeah it, was, it was clear uh yeah so at the top of the episode really we're kind of immediately into the castle where claire gets to meet the the wonderful colorful characters that populate the world of outlander including uh mrs fitz the layout of the castle column. And, uh, you know, spoiler alert, but this is actually an early appearance of the character who will later become the Penguin and <laughs> be one of Batman's most arch nemeses. He has birds in cages. That's also very he's sort of. He kind of waddles around. He's one away from yeah. DeVito. Yeah, he is like definitely one of the cobblepots. <laughs> yeah, so we start off and we're in the castle and my first thought, of course, is can castles ever look new? Because the castle, you know, it's a couple hundred years old maybe, but still looks pretty run down. Then we're immediately into Claire, of course, tending to our wounded bird, Jamie. Constantly wounded yeah. somehow. This... Adonis by the fire. <laughs> <laughs> wearing, wearing his red cape that presumably he was wrapped up in in Kansas after his spaceship landed there next oh, to course. the Kent's farm. This episode, I think, is definitely clarifying the trend of the show, which is... Jamie's a master at losing his shirt. <laughs> yeah, that it's it seems to go missing more often than not. Which, you know, I don't think anyone's complaining about. Shockingly. Fair enough. We were immediately into Claire kind of taking care of Jamie and immediately dropping a couple of flashbacks on us. Oh, yeah. Good flashbacks to how bad Claire's husband, Frank Randall's ancestor, sucks. And not only that, but like, I think that was like, that's the point where the show kind of like always kind of trend towards like, Oh, well, you think it's maybe going to be a bit of the, uh, you know, like romantic and like overdone. And then immediately, no, boom, we're right into, oh, my God, what the hell am I watching? Yeah, it's it's it, it likes to, you know, while there's a, a lot of romance and everything, it likes to remind you that the past was horrible for pretty much everybody. Yeah. And these uh, these characters in particular, poor, poor Jamie, who's in one of his shirtless scenes, we get to see his uh, his famous scars all along his which, back, which I will give. Major props to the makeup department for that, because it looks very much like, yes, those are scars that have been healed for four years, as, you know, Jamie has taken to reminding us many times right. that it's been four years. <laughs> he really likes to say that part. Oh, I guess it's been four years. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's like, yeah, well, now we all know, Jamie. Yeah, which was very strange to go from the honestly terrible scene of his sister, you know, being raped and, like, horrible sexual abuse to, oh, yeah, but he's hot by the fire. This is one of, like, a lot of instances in this show where they like to ramp up quickly between, like, sexy scene, terrible abuse, and uh, that kind of dichotomy is uh, not always comfortable, and maybe it's not supposed to be, Yeah, but I don't know. I mean, again, that might be kind of, I guess that's part of the intent of the show, too, so yeah. is to be like, yes, oh, yeah, the thing you completely, like, just, like, desire and crave, like, oh, 
the old times. Ooh, Scotland, it's all hot and sexy. No, everyone shits in a bucket. <laughs> yeah, while we're while we're talking about this particular scene, when Jamie's getting whipped by Randall, it's he looks like he's in like I don't know, like a Chevy truck ad or something. He's like, ugh, the hard work of a real man. And he's like swigging off the bottle and then like looking at his sister, like, okay, we could find a different way to pass the time. It's like that you are a horrifying monster. But to Jamie's credit, is like he, as this episode proves, and we'll get to the kind of the scene later on as well. He can take a licking and keep on ticking. He is the Timex of Scotsman. Yeah, he basically can just be like beat to hell and back and keep going. Not to mention like mental fortitude because he's thinking about this like obviously traumatic experience and telling Claire all about it. And then like they, you know, flashback ends and there's something about him being carted off to prison with a bunch of chickens. And she's like, that sounds awful. And he's like, yeah, chickens are terrible company. I want to add like a laugh track button. Like right there, just like audience. <laughs> and so, you know, I'd really like to change the sound design in a couple of parts in this episode, and uh, we'll get to, we'll get to some. Uh, other I'm sure Barry McCurry fought hard to try to get the laugh track in. Yeah, yeah, he couldn't win this one, but you know, he eventually got his jazz sheep, which we'll get to. Yes. So we kind of go from Jamie being, you know, the wounded bird being taken care of. He kind of deftly brings up Claire's husband. Oh yeah, and then this is this is where I think uh, Claire gets into a land of uh, technicalities. Because, because, I, I, I literally yeah. wrote down time travel relationships are complicated. Time travel relationships are complicated. I feel like this is one of those like maybe paradoxical, a little paradoxical, and it's like that like what is it the uh, like area code rules or like oh, you're on a different continent. It's like hey baby, if you time travel to the past and your husband's technically not not alive. Yeah, you're a single woman, baby. It's all fair game. And she she acts like she's very upset about it, but it's like when Jamie's like, "Is your husband not alive?" She's like, "Technically not." <laughs> you know, it's like, well, you could have said maybe something slightly less misleading than "My husband's not alive." If you're gonna close a door, leave a window open. Yeah, they, it's a big window. It's oh, a, yes. and it's approximately it, you know it can fit a huge Scotsman's. Van. <laughs> could fit one huge man. So after that, we kind of get to this whole sequence of Claire's dressing. And the weird thing that struck me is that first show, like, because we, we often see this with time travel movies, mm-hmm. of like, oh no, I have fire because I randomly brought a lighter with me right. and I'm magic. I think I love the fact that the only future tech that they brought back at all was a brazier. Yeah. I like, mean, and that's, you know, that's important. But they it, don't seem to keep it. So. Yeah, that brazier immediately went away and no one wondered, like, oh man, how did you. Uh, you know, mass-produced manufacture these clips and the material for this brassiere. Right. And, oh my God, that would probably be a way more comfortable. Right. They're just like, it's French. Forget about it forever. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that may, like, if the show cho- chose to, they could use that as their, like, button for every scene. Like, oh, no, no, it's French. Right, yeah. <laughs> we definitely we definitely have a lot of talk about the French here and oh, yeah. and Claire's made uncomfortable about how little she knows about France. This scene, uh Miss Fitzgibbons comes in and we realize there's no sleeping in at Castle Leoch. You are to wake up and put on nine corsets, a weird hip pad that to, looks to like To be fair, there's no there's no sleeping in because by the time you're done putting on all the clothing is when everyone else gets up. And I will also say, so once we get into the scene in the Great Hall, and we're really kind of properly introduced to the Laird of the Castle column, that the show drops what I would have to say is like the the weirdest, most jarring flashback 
in for probably most shows, and I'm not again faulting because I understand they needed to to get to this point, but I almost feel like you didn't need a flashback of uh, her husband. Frank explaining exactly how to withstand interrogation for her to know how to handle an interrogation. Right. This is the second episode of the series within a series called Captain Mansplain, in which Frank Randall like provides eminently useful information to Claire like moments before she travels back. It's not even like a flashback to yeah. like, you know, oh, 20 years ago I heard this thing. It's like, oh, like in, like they're in Scotland. And he's like, anyway, here's a story about withstanding interrogation. So. Isn't this cool? <laughs> yeah, I mean, little did she realize she was marrying Wikipedia. Right. Um, I will give them credit, though, for the actual interrogation of her. The, the way they balanced the character interactions mm. of like them looking for her one trip up, looking for the one thing that she was going to kind of screw up on. And she was basically resilient in terms of like, I'm not going to give it to you. Yes, you're clearly screwing with me. Right. And it's like, look at all these drinks. Oh, this will strip the paint off the things once they invent paint. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, clearly clearly hasn't been invented yet, looking at the outside of that castle. It was very, very prescient of them to come up with the paint thinner before they came up with the paint. One of those And things. then drink it. Yeah. <laughs> and they, they really straddle that line beautifully between, like, hospitality and interrogation yeah. in that scene. That's, like, my favorite scene of the episode is that whole dinner thing, you know? Oh, yeah. This is where I would, the second time, I would change the sound design, and when Claire walks into the room, I would add a comical Ooh. 80s record scratch. Oh, record scratch? Or if it's a sitcom, you're just going to hear the audience go, ooh. I think we would save that for after Claire starts talking about Dougal's son. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Dougal's, quote, son, air yeah. quotes. And then everybody... Ooh. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, there's some moments. And I think, you know, maybe we should put up our own, like, supercut of this episode with <laughs> oh, these gosh. changes made. I think, yeah. I think that's going to happen at some point in the near future yeah. unless a, a listener was so enterprising. Right. This We should call upon our many millions of fans oh, yeah. to do this work well, for I mean, us. They're just flocking. After the interrogation, after Claire stumbles away in her, you know, drunken fit. As you do in the Scottish <laughs> castle. Sure, at like uh, 7 p.m. And like it's still daylight and it's like, oh, time to go to and bed. And of course, you know, no hangover or anything. Cause, and she even skips her porridge in the next right. morning. Yeah. Um, and then she goes out to seek out the horse and the stallion. I mean, Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> well, we know, we know this is one of those parts where like they obviously had to cast a single actress for this role. And, you know, over the course of the, the series, yeah. it takes a lot of time. But this is where we can really see that this character is supposed to be in her 20s at this point because she drinks a ton of liquor. That's true. Doesn't think about it and wakes up with no hangover in the morning as far as we can tell. So you're saying this is basically like a fraternity or sorority, just Scottish time travel edition. Scottish time travel edition. Okay, yeah. Uh, but yeah, now we, uh, now we get to go outside and play Princess Bride with the, the stable, <laughs> stable man. I was waiting for someone to I be brought, like, I as brought you, you bandages <laughs> and food. Let's hide from the rain. In this convenient undercover. And we later find out there's, like, someone following Claire. Well, not but... only is he following, but he's literally leaning against the post outside from where they are. Right. So the thing is that while it's raining and they're taking cover, he's just there getting, like, hammered right. by rain. <laughs> I will also say, like, and yeah. this is, like, a weird, maybe a weird tangent, but the actress uh, for Claire, Catriona Balf, in pretty much every scenario, mm-hmm. looks stunning. Yeah, it's it's she's you know uh, I think you told me earlier that she was a model before she was an actress and it kind of shows it's just like oh you just like look good 
the genetics yeah. the genetics have paved the way she was being guarded by uh, a man in my least favorite piece of headgear which is a beret which i think looks bad on literally everybody what about jamie I mean, I haven't seen him in one, and I think that's an intentional choice oh, by the I creators. Think you're going to at some point. So, from the uh, Princess Bride scene and with the horse and the stallion, I mean Jamie, we go into obviously establishing that she's being followed, that no one trusts her except for Jamie. Right. Jamie has just decided that he trusts her totally, but he's like Mr. Cool in all of this. So. Oh yeah, and then we're into a montage that. Oh, this our, is this our... is where the jazz sheep show up. <laughs> because like she goes outside and then for like one instant it's like we're in the roaring twenties. Yeah. And these sheep are on screen, it's like I'm gonna find me a poison mushroom. You know. Yeah, so our, our montage leads our intro to Galus, the sassiest witch. Yes. It's the perfect children's book. <laughs> yeah, so who we kind of as our first character other than Jamie, who is kind of on Claire's level. Yeah, someone who's who has that kind of same sassiness mm-hmm. that we expect from Claire. I was thinking, you know, when she confronts Dougal about being followed, that Claire, if in a previous time, might have been described as mouthy. You know, I, <laughs> I thought, you know, and, and, and that's, you know, kind of unforgivable in this era. But it seems like Galus also kind of travels in the same sort of wit and uh, verbal jousting. Yeah. We will also just foreshadow her true origins by We're saying that so hard she's you can hear it. also mouthy. Special spoiler section for subscribers <laughs> on GaelicGuys.com slash subscribe slash donate slash buy my groceries for me. Oh, there is a montage for, like, Dougal's investigation montage, where she's being, yes. like, boring. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so yeah. then we're actually into the court. This is where it really proves that Jamie can basically just be beat to hell. But this is, like, what they decided is, like, oh, he's a wounded he's a wounded bird. You need to care for him because he's going to be consistently wounded at all times. <laughs> yeah, he is incapable of keeping himself in the, like, barest levels of good health. Because but you think you thought that was all muscle? No, all scar tissue. It's not just like, oh, I'm gonna go out and get in a fight for Scotland. I will absolutely give him props though for one that the whole nature of trying to protect friend's daughter, honor, and everything like that. But also like the fact that he just does it as like a goddamn smooth operator. He's all like, oh, I'm I'm gonna come back here. I'm gonna smirk in your face. Oh, yeah. Like, I wish I understood any of this Gaelic stuff because he, like, gets up there and he's, like, making everybody laugh. And he's like, (laughs) I'm so smooth. And he's, like, the coolest dude ever. He's Gaelic Frank Sinatra. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But I will say, suddenly becomes very difficult to look cool when you're getting beaten senseless. Unless you're Gaelic Frank Sinatra. Even if you're Gaelic Frank Sinatra, I feel like Jamie's cool fails him a little bit when he's being, like, punched in the face in the scene. But that's purely because Dougal who we know is kind of a shifty character, mm. you know, doesn't trust Claire, which, of course, makes him a bad guy, even though that's a perfectly justifiable kind of approach. Right, in completely the time, reasonable. Yeah. Uh, and for the scenario that they're in. But also the fact that he has no problem seeing Jamie beat within an inch of his life. Yeah, that seems clear. And, I mean, they're obviously giving us a hint at some past Deeper, relations yeah, here yeah. that we're, you know, we're hopefully going to find out about. But it's like, wow, like, you know, they, like even... They talk about, like, oh, it stops when you first draw blood. And then yeah. they draw blood, and it's not over. Basically, Shifty Uncle Dougal is seeing Jamie beat to hell. Yeah. Uh, who, Jamie, the punching bag extraordinaire, also. 
He is doing like the world's longest rope a dope. Like his well, whole okay. life is like Muhammad that, Ali. But he's doing that, and then literally the next scene, he's back to being like, "Oh, I took my shirt off. I guess I had to." <laughs> yeah. Well, because they punched him in the wound. I mean, like they go, and it's like it's pretty harsh to punch a person in the face. But then Dougal like does his like yeah silent nod of doom and yeah. like no no the lack of nod is the thing oh right yeah, yeah. it's him just going yep yeah, mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. all good keep keep on keep on it's keeping reminiscent on. of you know office space with like how's it going there peter <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah it's yeah, definitely I, uh, I like everything here <laughs> yeah oh can we also talk about how the, the lady who's supposed to be punished who jamie takes her place mm-hmm. how i i think it because most of the casting, most of the costumes look fabulous. Her father in this scene looks to me like the non-speaking extra in some production of Les Mis or something at my local community theater. Will, yeah, I'll like, give you that. Like, if you look back at that, it's like, did they just, like, did they just buy that hat? Like, what happened? It looks like... He had this, that hat. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, he brought yeah. that hat from home. I don't know what the story was. But I will say that, like, we find out that the girl is Miss Fitz's granddaughter. Right. Um, that in Scotland, yes... Everyone is related. Yeah, don't think too hard about it. I mean, it does explain Jamie's interest in this British woman who comes to town, though, because he's like, I'm pretty sure we're not cousins. Like, 75% sure, so good to go. But I also think we could call him the buddy the elf of the Scottish people because everyone else is like this bearded fat smelly person oh, yeah, no, and he then, is the most attractive Scotsman yeah I don't know why he's the only one with uh, complete access to like a full weight bench and like sir, like protein supplements <laughs> but he, he saves up all his ugly for his back right yeah, yeah so he's just, like all the beards and the beard gut and all the other things go to my back yeah, it's like the picture of Dorian Gray. Like, oh, yeah, if he know. ever looks at his back, it's just, it's all over for him. Right. For some reason, everyone else looks like, I don't know, 18th century Scottish to, to people. To be fair, if they had gone with him looking like every other Scotsman in 18th century, right. uh, I don't think Claire would be falling for him as hard. Right. She might be a little more, you know, torn. But, yeah, we're talking amongst... about a Judd Apatow film there. Right. Of the, the frumpy guy getting the hottest girl. Yes. So. Well, I mean, their first choice I heard for uh, the role of Jamie was Seth Rogen, but he turned it down, and so they went a different direction. How, however, to that note, I would love to see just recreations of this show with Seth Rogen as Jamie. Yeah. Oh, I, hopefully our listeners can also create that. Uh, but as we kind of like close out the episode, as Claire believes herself to be finally free to go back to the stones and, you know, whip her way through time, back to her husband, back to normalcy and, you know, working plumbing. Yeah. Which we have not yet seen a chamber pot. Right. They are definitely there. Well, that's why it's going to be the biggest thing, of course, because it's my belief that Claire's been holding it for those five (laughs) days because she knows she's going to get back to a toilet pretty soon. So, you know, or so she thinks. That is is a a terrible and wonderful lead-in for the actual events that happen when they enter into what you know we had kind of been led to believe was a dungeon of some sorts right I, in episode maybe, one yeah in episode one which where claire is instead of being able to leave and go back to her magic stones uh is brought down into what we will refer to as the future sex dungeon yes because we believed it to be a dungeon or maybe even a sex dungeon but we find out that nope it's actually really boring and just full of spices uh, less sex, more spice. 
And it's kind of awkward because the table that is in front of her, we flash forward to her basically having sex on it in the future. Right. So in like 200 one... years, she's going to... Yeah. So again, bringing back to the, yeah. the awkward you know, Judd Apatow thing of like, oh no, it's like, oh no, I had sex on this table. It's really awkward. I had sex on it in the future. Yeah. It's a real back to the future moment, except without all the trying to have sex with your mother. Column is like, okay... You're going to stay here, and you're going to be our new healer. And so this basically becomes like a Scottish time travel fan fiction version of Doc Hollywood, which I <laughs> totally approve of. I'm going to try and make several more Michael J. Fox movie references during the rest of this episode. But there's uh, almost I think no during time. the rest of the series. Okay. Constant constant running gag is which Michael J. Fox episode are we in? <laughs> and we episode one is sort of a back to the future. Episode two, it's the first part of Doc Hollywood. Uh, once we get to uh, Teen Wolf, I think we'll be fine. Yes. <laughs> Can't wait. So that's that's the episode. It's a, it's a great episode. It's kind of setting up a lot of stuff. So we're really getting into this world now as like a permanent thing. Claire thinks she's going to go be able to maybe get back to her time. But now we're finally settling into the idea that she's going to be here yeah, for a while. It, it turns out they had more than two episodes planned. Right. There's, there's a moment in this uh, show where we decide that it might be a one and a half episode series, but they decide to go another way and make that it. Probably the smart route to go. Honestly, this week we have been drinking Trader Joe's Highland single malt Scotch whiskey, which is actually distilled, matured and bottled in Scotland. Uh, it's, Double maturation, which I believe would mean... That means it's finished in two different casks. Oh, okay. So the first cask is a traditional oak cask. Did you know that or did you read it off the label? I read it earlier tonight off the label. So you didn't know that. I you did not know that. From... No, no, you knew it because you knew it from the label. Yeah, I knew it before you did, which is the important part. Oh, and the exactly second that. cask is a bourbon barrel finish. Which is which is very uh, in vogue for scotches yeah. these days. It's a it's a really nice scotch, actually. Yeah, I mean, uh, again, it's something that it's far smoother. It's again not having a lot of expertise about scotch just yet. I think by the episode episode hundred or so, we'll both be like grandmasters of mm-hmm. scotch. I, I'm sure there's a term for that. Alcoholic. <laughs> <laughs> Alcoholic is the word you're looking for, and the first step is admitting you have a problem done. Um, the first step is hosting a podcast to justify your problem. Right, yeah. And, you know, Don, I would say that this scotch has a light aroma with hints of leafy spring blossoms overlaid with a subtle vanilla oakiness. You know, if I were to come up with some words to describe it. But, yeah, highly recommended. This is, so far, Mark. easily in the top two uh, scotches we've had, and I think I think we both would agree this is our this is our favorite so far. Well, no, and, and to actually be slightly serious for a moment is kind of akin to a Jameson in terms of its smoothness mm. and its lack of kind of burn. Which, right, when I was in Edinburgh, actually having a flight of Scotch like straight like proper Scotch whiskey, I will you know give them credit that those things burnt like paint thinner. Stronger men than me probably could fail to drink those. So. Right. Uh, and, you know, we joke we joke reading the bottle about the oak and vanilla and light aroma and things. But really, it's, you know, it's very smooth. It's not terribly smoky or peaty. It's just like a, a nice sort of smooth, simple flavored scotch. It's very good, but a traditional Scotsman probably go like, oh, that's the piss they serve the Americans. Very possible. <laughs> that might be our exact tastes. Um, We're drinking so, the Coors Light. This is the Scotland. Coors Light of scotch. <laughs> 
Finally. Either way, hey, drink up. So that's our episode. Thank you for listening. As always, please subscribe. If you enjoyed this, please tell a friend. Tell an enemy. Maybe they'll like to listen to it as well. Possible. Rate and review us, you know, on iTunes. This is our outro. Goodbye for this week. But thank you for listening, and uh, we'll be back next week.